Welcome to Mustang Chat, a division of your very own Mustang Press. Today we will be conducting our first interview of the 2019-2020 school year with Principal Pratt. So, being as last year was your first year as Principal of St. Martin, what do you think of our school as a whole and what are some things you were quicker or slower to learn about our school? Well, I found that uh, coming into the school, it's um, being the oldest school on the board, it was it was interesting to see such a rich history with the school. Uh, it took me a long time to find um, the school's identity because schools over time develop an identity and a culture, and that does change. But I found that um, you know being such a, a an active athletic school, um, you tended to think that the school is is just oh it's full of athletes and you know it's just about sports teams. But I found that there's there's a really deep rich culture within the school that that isn't just embedded within sports and, and sport pursuits which it was interesting for me to to to, to figure out and and and, uh, and pull out for example they have a a really engaging tech department a uh, fantastic religion um, uh, department with with really dynamic teachers uh, fantastic science department the math is really engaging and there's a lot that they're doing us you know behind the scenes the english department is is very um experienced and uh, you know just diverse in terms of their own approach to how they, they they tackle that subject and then there's even co-op which is a success story so a lot of different um things that you would never know about a school until you actually come and work at a school yeah. um so much more than just the sports so that was um that was for me the one of the biggest um, learnings that, that took place last year. So I was going to ask you what makes St. Martin stand out from other schools, so would you say that it's, it's like diversity then? Um, this is my fifth school and I would say every school I've been at has been unique. Um, St. Martin by definition stands out because it is the only regional sports school in the board. So by that you do get um, an interesting mix of Lo students who live locally, so a lot of students who live within the St. Martin area, yeah. but then you have students from as far as, um, I, I, I've met students last year from as far as Ottawa, um, Kingston, Kitchener, uh, you know, Toronto, Brampton, Milton, and now they all tend to move into the area and, 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 and live with um, uh, other families as they play on their, these high-level teams. So you have this interesting mix of, of it being a local school nestled in the, you know, the suburbs of Mississauga yeah. with a lot of students who are coming from other areas of the province. And it, it creates an interesting dynamic, um, you know, one that I think it really does make the school more diverse. Not any more diverse than other schools I've been at in Mississauga. I mean, Mississauga schools are very diverse by nature, but I think the geographic diversity of this school is something that's unlike any other in, in, in you know, in Mississauga for that matter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so being a principal is not an easy job. Uh, what are some of your daily tasks as principal and some challenges? Well, that's a good question. Um, so I found last year it was very difficult for me to transition from being a vice principal to a principal. So when I was a vice principal, I was a vice principal for eight years. Um, you had very close relationships with lots of families. You work with lots of students, and, and in particular, you're working with about 30 to 40 students and their families, just trying to make sure they have success and they have their own struggles and, and things you have to work with them. It means you sometimes have to suspend students. It's sometimes you have to give them detentions. You're speaking to them. You're bringing their parents in for meetings. 
And I really enjoyed that role, being a vice principal. I enjoyed walking in the halls, um, you know, um, making sure that everyone got along, you know, putting out fires, um, and, 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 you know, and, and handing out discipline, which you did as a vice principal. The principal's role is different. Um, you're dealing more with bigger picture issues, budget, scheduling, staffing, um, and you, you tend not to have that same relationship with families and students that you did as a vice principal. Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, that was the hardest adjustment is, is, is learning that I have to try to um, be successful in, in both those roles. I can still work with families and students, but that is more of a vice principal's role and that's their portfolio. So it was learning the job and, and trying to step away from trying to overstep my boundaries as a, as a principal and say, hey, listen, um, I want to you know, be more involved. And for example, with the grade 12s last year, I, I said for the second semester, I was going to be in charge of them and I was going to be the, their go-to person, which was great on paper, but it was really hard because I was away a lot. And, and my job, you know, or the job as a principal is so much more about making sure program is running effectively, making sure that, you know, the, the school itself is running at a, in an effective manner that sometimes you can't give the students and their families the time that you think you should. So that yeah. was a hard part of for the job for me. Okay. So why did you decide to get involved in education as a career path and how did you ultimately, ultimately become principal? I'm, I'm the oldest of five boys and uh, in my family I was the oldest sibling. And I spent many years, um, in, in the summer in particular, where my mom would say, you know, take your brothers outside, take your cousins outside. And, and I, naturally, um, I naturally kind of uh, gravitated towards the role of kind of an organizer and a disciplinarian. And I remember at some point in time in, in, you know, in my adolescence, my parents would say to me, or say to my brothers, you know, don't get your brother, you know, we're going to tell your brother what you've been doing. Almost, I became almost like this parent. And I, 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 I was blessed in growing up in Mississauga. We lived near a park. And so I spent many times outside or on the street playing street hockey or in the park um, organizing games for the kids. And then they, all the neighborhood kids, we would have tournaments and um, we would have uh, competitions. I remember we did these mini Olympics and it was just stuff I just naturally gravitated towards doing. Um, and... As I grew up, my mother was a teacher, my, my godmother was a teacher. It was just something I fell into naturally. I, I never knew I wanted to get into education until I was towards the end of my undergrad degree. And um, I had spent some time volunteering at some schools. I did one of my, um, my fourth year um, studies in, in, in psychology was on um, uh, child's retention of, uh, of materials uh, from a, a live instructor versus a, a, an audio taped um, uh, medium and so I went in and, and spent some time in classrooms and working with with students and I really enjoyed and originally I wanted to work in elementary and be a phys ed teacher in elementary okay. and it just happened so that at the time when I when I graduated from teachers college there was a there was an abundance of opportunities and I, I got into teaching English at St. Francis Xavier so that's kind of been my journey but um, uh, you know it's it's I think it was something that was always inherent to me, but I never really made that conscious decision until I was probably in my early 20s. So something I wanted to be when I was a young kid, I, I didn't know that that's actually where I was headed. But I, you know, looking back and I reflect, spending that time with the kids in the neighborhood, I also coached from about 16, 17 years old, I've always coached community sports. Even if it wasn't my brothers, it was just something I always loved doing. And I still to this day, I coach 
um, two hockey teams and I coach my son's soccer team and I help out with baseball. So I'm always involved. So I think, you know, those things lend itself to being an educator. Yeah. So what kind of influence do you think staff and teachers have on the student population? Oh, huge. I mean, it's, 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 it's no more, there, there is no more powerful position um, that you can have than being in education. I mean, you are molding minds. You are, you are um, creating the next generation of, of Canadian citizens. And, 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 and truly, you do spend more time in education with students than their parents do, particularly in high school, because kids are, are, are coming home and going to their sports or going to part-time jobs or kind of hang out with their friends. So there, there rarely will be more than an hour or two in a week where parents actually have time to sit down and, and spend time intimately with, um, with their kids, whereas teachers are doing it every day for 75 minutes. And so there, there's, there's such a rich opportunity to mold and influence and inspire young people um, when you're in education. And, you know, I can't say enough about the profession and, and, and in its role, really, in in, in, in forming society. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly the most important job I think we have in, in our society is being a teacher. And, and, and being a successful teacher means you're, you're truly inspiring thousands and thousands of, of young people and, 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 you know, and, and cultivating and, and, and germinating the, the, the future generations of, of Canadian citizens. For a student struggling in the high school environment, what advice would you give them? I mean, there's many different ways of struggling, but I'm my first and foremost. I would I would always say, and I say this at great assemblies, is, is talk to an adult, talk to someone. Um, there there has to be an adult you can connect with, whether it's a teacher, a guidance counselor, an administrator, a, a student monitor, um, a chaplain, and, and and barring that in the school, um, speaking with um, an older sibling or cousin or hopefully a parent. Um, or an uncle or an aunt, um, you know, it really is important to reach out. And if you, if the, if that's not an opportunity, then there are you know kids help phone. There's there's different mediums, but you have to talk. And and I've never I've never heard of anyone who's having an issue as a, as a teenager saying that they spoke to someone and made it worse. It never ever happens that way. It's always it made it better. Yeah. So the first step if you're struggling is is to speak to someone, and that can be from anything from struggling with mental health. Uh, from addictions um, to struggling at school and getting your schoolwork done. It's always good. It, 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 the first step is always to speak to someone. And if you truly don't have an adult that you can go to, then hopefully you have a peer that you can speak to and a friend, and they'll be able to steer you the right way. But my advice is always to speak to an adult because adults have had the experience, and it, you know hopefully there is someone you can trust. Um, and, and that's the first step if you're struggling is always speak to someone. Yeah, okay. Um, what advice would you give to grade nines joining our school next year? Well, interestingly enough, this morning I did speak to the grade nines just very briefly, and I told them to get involved. Yeah. Um, we're not necessarily beholden to having every student here in the school be on a sports team, and that's not a reality. Yeah. Um, but we do have so many interesting pursuits, clubs, um, teams, um, groups that they can be a part of. Um, I'm proud to say that this year we're, we're starting a, a specialist high school's major for hospitality. And I, I want to get everyone involved with learning how to cook and bake. I mean, that's a life skill, learning how yeah. to cook, bake, um, uh, prepare food. And that's, you know, that could take you on a different pathway in life. Um, you could 
um, work part-time as you finish your law degree at, a, at, a, at, a, at the keg, being a chef. Like you, learning those skills are so important. Um, I love to cook, and, and, and so for me, it was a natural fit. We have great teachers here who are going to support that program. But that's just a small example of, of what you can be doing here. We have arts, and you know, we have a, a sound and light team. We have a drum line uh, group. Um, we have, um, in addition to all the sports teams, we have um, sports media. Um, we're, we're really trying to push the envelope with lots of different things. So mm -hmm. there's no excuse if you're a student here in the school to not get involved. Uh, Link crew, ACE. Uh, student council there's tons of things you could do here and like I said this morning to the great nines you may not remember most of your teachers and classes and lessons but you'll remember those experiences and that yes. could be something as simple as going on a retreat with a regional sports and an overnight camp or you know doing a retreat in grade 11 and being on Mustang missions and supporting the homeless like there's so many things that'll be um, that'll resonate with you in the years to come so just get involved and do something yeah for yeah. sure um, so last year, um, you probably remember, we had the walkouts for the government cuts. Um, do you know if if the government cuts are affecting our school directly, how will they affect it if they directed it or if they affect it at all? Well, the, the biggest the biggest change that I think students and, and their parents will will notice is that over the next um in the next several years, well, not several years, over the next two to three years, there will be changes in class sizes. So the, the main thing that I think students will notice is that when they go into classes this year, the classes will be larger. There'll be more students in physically in, the, in, in those classes. Okay. That'll be the big change. And, and, and as a result, there'll be a, um, there'll be kind of a, um, a pause in hiring new teachers because as the class sizes get larger we will not be able to hire new teachers because we have to find space for all the teachers that exist and if the classes are big, getting bigger you don't need new teachers so I think what will happen is a lot of students will notice that there'll be kind of this this period in which we won't be hiring new teachers and new teachers are great because they bring energy and they bring different experiences into the teaching profession and so aside from larger classes will there be a there'll be a kind of a pause in, in when we're able to hire permanent teachers to come into the schools. And they're always great because um, they're, they're really good at, at bringing, like I had said, just vitality into the school and, and, and working underneath the, some of the more veteran teachers. It's a, great, it's a great dynamic and it creates that diversity that we had spoken about earlier um, when it comes to teachers. So that's probably the, 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 the two biggest areas that parents and students will see the cuts. And when you have more teachers um, with large classes, it's going to create more stress on them to to get the marking done on time to to be able to 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 service all of those students, and there may be um, uh, you know a reduction in how much they're able to help extracurricularly because they're going to be more burdened with marking prep all that stuff. So it's going to be that cascade effect. Um. So you spoke about cooking, sports. Um. What are some of your other passions and interests outside of your job? Well, you know, I'm at that, that period in my life where I have a relatively young family. I mean, my youngest son is still um, dependent on us. He's eight years old. My oldest son is going into grade nine next year. So it's, it's, it's you know, when you have kids, and especially when you have four, like I had, it's, you, you, you got to just, you put a, an X um, at one end and an X on another end of a line, you know, a line, <laughs> 
uh, you know, uh, a chart. Yeah. And for that 20 years, you just spend it on your kids and you're, and you're, you're being a parent. So yeah. I guess everything right now revolves around my kids. So what all I like to do, I like to go camping because it's, it's nice to bring my kids camping. And um, I, I do enjoy sports and, and in particular, like I said, coaching them or, or watching them participate, which I think is important. Um, my own interests, um, I do enjoy reading and I used to read a ton, but not as much now because I'm either, you know, catching up on emails or, uh, spending, you know, three, four hours at a hockey rink or, or at the soccer field or the baseball diamond. And so I don't have that, that same time for my own pursuits. I did enjoy, you know, working out and, and being fit and, and that's harder to do too. But, um, you know, I know that I'll get back to that in, in, in a few years from now when my kids are a little bit more independent. And I think that's, that's coming. My youngest is, is, he's eight, but he acts like a 12 year old because he has these older brothers. And so I know in four or five years from now, they'll, they'll be relatively independent and I'll be able to get, get back into a lot of those pursuits that, that were important to me. And I think are important for everyone for that whole mental health that you need to have some activities you do yourself. But honestly, when you, when you have, you know, multiple children, more than you have parents, like if you have three, four or five kids and, and you want them to be involved in stuff, it, it, that really is like 20 years of your life is, is just dedicated towards them. And so um, I'm looking forward to getting back into the things I like doing, um, reading, uh, working out, um, uh, you know, uh, going on trips with my wife and, and, and not necessarily being that, 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 that parent that I've been for the last 15 years and that's kind of almost coming to an end soon. So, yeah. Um, so it's a personal question and like I said, you don't have to answer it, but many people don't know you have a tattoo and, um, if you don't mind explaining what the tattoos of and what the significance is. Yeah, well, I, um, I have a tattoo around my arm and, and it's, uh, it's something I got done when I was 25 years old. I was just finishing up in university and I had, um, you know, at the time I, I thought I, I wanted to get something that encapsulated the first 25 years, the first quarter decade of my life. And so I had a tattoo that, um, that it, it's all it is, is just letters. And it, it's, it's all of my family members initials and my friends from when I was a little kid, um, you know, back when I was in, you know, uh, grade one, grade two, who were my best friends. And so it was all of my best friends from when I was five, six, seven years old, all the way up until I was 25, who were my good friends. And then I left space in there because when I got married, I put my wife's initials in there. And then um, when I had my, my, my sons were born, just a, a, a few years back, I had the their names all put in there. So I left space and so it goes all the way around my arm. And it's, and it's just the initials of my friends, family, and wife and children. And then, you know, to make it look cool at the time, they put some tribal stuff around it as a border. So. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny when you, when you mentioned tattoos, um, when I first started teaching and I was, you know, 26, 27, 28 years old and I had this tattoo, I was, and I played hockey with more senior teachers or, or, you know, we used to play pickup hockey with, you know, senior teachers and, and principals, vice principals. I would never let this, like, I would always keep that shirt on and I would just, I would never show it to anyone as a teacher. I would never show it. And it's funny because you see guys like you know, Coach G and, and some of these teachers nowadays, there, you know, it's become a very accepted practice in our society. Yeah. But if you're going back to, you know, the, the, the mid-90s, um, teachers did not have <laughs> had tattoos. And, 
and it, and it's become so commonplace nowadays that I'm not so shy about it anymore, and that's probably why someone's probably seen it because I, I wore a shirt and, and you know part of it is shown through. So it, it it's not something that I'm embarrassed about necessarily, but I've always said with tattoos, it's something that should be personal to you. You're not getting it to show anyone else. It's yeah, something exactly. that you're getting for yourself. So um, I, I've never, you know, I've never tried to flaunt it, mm-hmm. um, but um, but yeah, that's the whole story behind that. Wow. Okay, so what one quality do you think a principal should possess to be successful? The one quality that that anyone who goes into administration needs to possess is, a, is emotional intelligence. You need to be able to not only recognize how your own emotions are are quickly noticed by people around you. And, you know, if I'm in a bad mood, sometimes I think I'm hiding it and people look right away, oh, you're in a bad mood or... Um, you have to be very conscious of how you project yourself um, because people will read into that and people get a bad vibe off you if you're an administrator, um, wh- whether vice principal or principal. If people can get that sense that you, either you don't care about them or you're dismissing them or you're, um, you're frustrated with them, then they'll just take it and run. And, and people in our profession, are some, if, if people are coming to see us, generally there's an issue. There's something happening. Either they're not happy about something or they're frustrated or they're... They want something to be dealt with, and to be flippant or dismissive or angry at them, it's 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 never getting off the right foot. You're you're re- very much in the customer service role when you're an administrator, yeah. and on that matter, also reading other people's um, emotions is important. You have to be empathetic. You have to try to understand where they're coming from. You have to be patient with them. So having that emotional intelligence is key for this job. And if you don't have it, you're going to struggle because it's 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 hard to be patient and kind and understanding all the time. No one is, and I'm not. But um, being able to recognize that and work around that is, is so key because, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's the most important part of the job. Okay. So last question. Um, what are some of your plans for St. Martin going forward long-term and short-term? Hmm. Um, well, I mentioned the hospitality, uh, specialist high schools major. So one of the things we want to do in terms of, let's talk about phys- the physical building. So we want to upgrade and renovate one of our classrooms to make a second kitchen more focused on baking. Oh. And um, uh, that's, that's, that's a really popular class in a lot of schools I've been at, the baking class and making cakes, cupcakes. Like kids just really like it. I mean, it's, it's almost like, like you're, you're creating something and it comes out of the oven, it pops out and it's, it's real and, and then you can eat it, which is really cool. So we're going we're gonna to renovate um, one of our classrooms and make it more of a, a, an updated kitchen, uh, another hospitality space. The gymnasium is in the middle of being renovated. Uh, we have new bleachers coming in, um, uh, probably October, I'm hoping. New bleachers are coming in. I'm always continuously looking at upgrading the technology in the building. So um, in addition to every classroom having a computer to start this year, every classroom will have a computer for a teacher to to be able to use digital technology and and teaching tools. Um, We're looking at always upgrading and bringing in projectors and smart boards or interactive whiteboards into each of the classrooms. I think we have about 11 now and um, we're looking to bring in another five, six over the summer. So, I mean, my goal is by the time I, I leave this school five, six years, um, almost every classroom will have a, a, a projector with an interactive or a just a Proxima mounted in the, in the school. Because I think it's an important function of the teaching, uh, teaching role now is to create um, digital, um, te- digital lessons and, and, and be able to engage students in different areas now. 
um, uh, in terms of renovations in the school, um, those are the two big ones. We are looking at renovating one of our, our, our weight rooms, bringing it downstairs and making more of a, a combined weight room down on the first floor where we have the existing one now and kind of bringing them together. Okay. Um, uh, and then there's probably a couple other that I'm, I'm forgetting about, but um, we're always on the move of you know trying to update and refresh the school. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Stay tuned for more and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mustang Press.